everybody gets that that's not a thing. That's not how it works anymore. You can't one day whine about how the very next fucking carbon tax thing is going to bankrupt me. I can't make ends meet. And then turn around and be like, fuck these freeloading losers who didn't make it. You're It's one or the other. You're either on the brink yourself and get that other people have gone over the edge, or you're not. The Forgotten Corner podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash Forgotten Corner Pod, or visit our website, ForgottenCornerPod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory. Traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and as always, if you want to check out other really great progressive podcasts, please check the link that we will include in our show notes. Um, my name is Scott Schmidt. I'm here alongside co-host Mr. Jeremy Appel. How you doing, buddy? Good. Not too bad. Uh, besides the the smoke um, that is blanketing Edmonton this weekend, in yeah, it's it's the same down here. I imagine like it's not quite as bad as when the fires themselves were like nine blocks away, though. Well, I mean, it's not raining ash, so um, mm-hmm. that's an improvement. Um, but a- yeah, no, I think the air quality index is like eight out of 10 rather than 11 today. Right. Um, I think it may have been 11 yesterday. Like it was really bad. And I was outside for a bit. I uh, saw the new Mission Impossible movie, which was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Is it actually good? Yeah. Oh, no, we had an eight also today, by the way. Yeah. Here in old Medi hat. So Mission Impossible was good, eh? Can't imagine spending money to see it but i'm how did you have you like paid like full attention to the entire franchise no um not at all like i've seen i've seen one i've seen two um yeah i saw um i remember seeing one when philip seymour hoffman was about yeah guy. yeah that's three i don't think i saw that one but i've heard that's one of the better ones it's good yeah it was good I remember one. Um, I went to one in the theater like years ago. That's crazy. I, forget. I, I I didn't see. I've heard Ghost Protocol is good, but that's not the one I saw. The one I saw was Rogue Nation, which was like fine. Um, that was not the last fair. one I saw. I've heard Fallout. The last one is actually the best one. Um, I'm planning on watching Dungeons and Dragons tonight, and I'm excited for that. Oh, I heard I heard it was good. I think it's gonna be cute. I like shit like that. It's fun. So it'll be fun. I'll enjoy it. I'm on vacation right now, so pretty much anything I do is pretty fucking tip top, to be honest with you. 
Sweet. And you're uh you're going to see some some baseball uh next week. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Well, I guess so... this week when when people hear it. That's right. Yeah. So Sunday, it's Sunday that we're recording. So on Tuesday morning, we drive we're gonna leave and we're driving to Spokane. And then uh the next day we'll drive to Seattle. And so we're spending six nights there and we're doing two baseball games. Uh we're gonna go down to Portland for a day. That's really fun. I, I I really like Seattle. I only have been there one time and uh, my wife and the boy have not had the pleasure of being there. So it's going to be really good. And my wife like adores the West Coast. So she's excited to uh, go out and hunt for sea glass. Like, I don't know if any listeners have ever done that, but if you ever need to like just do something soothing, like go sit on a like little rocky Pacific Northwestern ocean beach and look for sea glass that like is my wife's happy place so it's got to be a good thing and like if, have you ever done that have you ever heard of sea glass nope can't say i have so like essentially it's pieces of like like i mean essentially it's garbage right but it's pieces of glass like from and a lot of it like how like was from you know originally would have been back when they made a lot of things out of glass like perfume bottles and all these different and like just a lot of more anyway so from like shipwrecks and stuff like that these glass pieces of glass get sort of rolled in the water like over the course of time and it knocks them into little pieces that are about you know can be about the size of you know your pinky fingernail kind of thing or smaller even and sometimes get up to about you know the size of a loony maybe but they get tossed around so it smooths them out and makes them really like this crazy like sort of opaque like interesting kind of changes the texture of it or the the feel of it and then uh it's just about like there's different all these different colors like if you find red or blue obviously those are a bit more rare than like white or amber like if you find amber like you're basically it's a <laughs> you're talking about a beer bottle here so but like, um, anyways, just kind of sifting through the rocks on the beach and like, you'll find these little treasures and I don't know, it's a thing, man. And it obviously works because my wife absolutely loves it. So, um, we obviously, we have family out on like Canada's West coast. So we're out there quite a bit and she cannot get enough of it. So that's her big thing for Truman and I are excited about baseball games. Lori's excited about finding sea glass beaches to, uh, do her favorite thing. So that's going to be fun. Something um, for everyone. Uh, and yeah, the Jays, exactly. you, you're seeing uh, the Jays, of course, play. Yeah, season, yeah. Right? And I've never like so I've I've never seen the Jays play, um, in all my years. And uh, the boy has not been to a major league baseball game of any kind. So to do two of those is going to be really fun. And um, the the very first baseball game I ever went to was actually in Seattle, and it was in 2009. And they played the Anaheim Angel or Los Angeles Angels or whatever they were at the time called. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. Well, what they were, they always change it, right? But whatever they were specifically in 2009, they played the fucking Angels. And Vladdy Sr. was on that team. And he hit two home runs at the game we were at. And we were actually like sitting about eight rows behind the first baseline dugout. So we had really good seats and I have some really nice pictures of Vladdy like making contact with these home run balls. So really like nice moment from this. He, trip he, was, like, he was on the angels at the time. Yeah. So that was a really, so that was cool, late in his career. Really cool moment of the um, trip that we took. Right. 
And yeah. so how fucking cra- crazy would it be for the boys' first baseball game, also in Seattle, to have Vladdy Jr. jack a couple in that first game? So um, if Vladdy uh, hits a home run on um, Friday's game in that series, Think, think of the boy, because that'll be quite a thing to get to see. And well, he won the home sitting, run derby, so... He did, yeah. and we're sitting in home run seats in both games, because I like that perspective of the field. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So, do you got anything cool planned out in the next little while, or the summer, or what? Well, no, but a couple of weeks ago, I was in San Francisco, and I went to a well, Giants right. game. Oh, right. You told, you told me you were going to do that. Yeah, awesome. and I saw, I saw Randall Grichuk... Yeah, yeah. Hit a double off Ross Stripling. Oh no, shit! That's very cool to see. You must have chuckled your way through that. Yeah, Stripling sucks now. He's not having a good season. They obviously picked the right time to uh, let him go go and not pay him the big money. That's been a couple of good decisions they did with that. I thought letting Robbie Ray go to Seattle is a smart move too. yeah, that's really awesome. I see San Francisco is actually my like national league team that I would cheer for. Like I've always sort of had little soft spots for San Fran teams. Um, I'm of a big Niners fan, so mm-hmm. um, for years I just sort of cheered for the Giants kind of quietly, but never if they would play the Jays, of course. But yeah, well, mine's my national league team. Well, I have a couple, but one of them is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh so, no, shit! Uh, yeah, that would seeing been a... the Jays sweep them was kind of. Uh... Bittersweet. bittersweet but also the jays needed that one and but yeah arizona's yeah. had an extremely good year and a couple of former blue jays doing really good there too so that's you know yeah well that's bittersweet that... to see right because a lot of people wanted to keep those guys well yeah especially guriel who is an all-star this year and he's also like vladdy's best friend on the team yeah yeah, and Vladdy's kind of wah-wah again this year. Like, with all due respect, 14 home runs through 90-some games is not not good enough if we're – like, they, they really need him to be a – not necessarily MVP level, but certainly, uh, you know, top five, top seven kind of hitter level if they want to be a championship team. That's just my view, but – um, yeah. they're still playing really well lately so that's kind of cool but anyways we'll move on but it's it's summer months so we're all doing fun things finally and a lot of work but let's we could talk about my vacation because my job fucking is murdering me these days so we won't talk about that um but what we do want to talk about today which is oh, i shouldn't maybe said that we're before because this is a topic that's very sensitive right now and we're kind of making a weird segue into it but um a lot of information, a lot of stories have been coming out in the last week or two um, regarding overdose and opioid related poisonings and deaths in Alberta and uh, record pay- record breaking paces that are occurring not only um, in the major centers, but the uh, the mid-sized cities as well. Lethbridge is in big trouble. Medicine Hat. Also, um, we had a story recently in I've got a couple stories queued up that we can look at as we talk today, but um, certainly uh, it's a it's a very bleak, bleak um, scenario, uh, especially under a government that's response to it is uh, we're making strides and we're doing good. And here's some more recovery beds. So anyway, um, what are your thoughts sort of as the last couple of weeks have 
unfolded, um, especially in a city where it's it's really really scary. Well, I know Calgary's been the worst, but I know it's not it's not very good up in Edmonton at all. So, yeah. Well, my first thought when the of course 174 um, or no, sorry, 179 overdose deaths. Yeah, drug poisoning deaths occurred um, in. Uh, April 2023, the most recent month for which we have data. And, uh, you know, my first thought to that was, you know, uh, last year, I think it was in October or sometime, Pierre Polyev, you know, the federal conservative leader, uh, released a video, uh, you know, entitled Everything is Broken, which is correct. Yeah. Everything is broken. Um. But he saw it was really gross. Like, I don't know if you see, saw the video, Scott. I don't know if you could stomach it, but um, he, you know, he's out at this homeless encampment in Vancouver using it as a prop, <laughs> saying, Oh, wow, you know, the, the drug poisoning crisis really bad, uh, here. And it's a result of uh, woke uh, liberal and NDP policies of safe supply. Now, the only province with safe supply is BC, and it's incredibly uh, limited. Um, There's a good piece uh, about that last year from uh, Moira Whiten at the Thai, who used to be at the Edmonton Journal, about how um, the demand for safe supply is like, like, um way exceeds uh supply in bc and that obviously limits its efficacy nonetheless i mean that was the first lie second lie was um that in bc in sorry in alberta this recovery oriented system of care is working it it reduced overdose deaths by half um he didn't say from when to when, but of course, this was a period of six months when there was a lull in overdoses. There was a there was a significant decrease, um, and then I think a few Which months. What were those specifically? Do you remember? Uh yes. Okay. Let me just pull up. I wrote what reporting period was that because, um, but it was it was actually a classic case study in like uh, misrepresenting data because then yeah. at the same time he's comparing that to the past seven years in bc from when trudeau took power right right right, right now right. saying that overdoses are skyrocketing but in alberta he took six months to say this approach is working but if you look at compare apples to apples if you want to go back to when they started counting drug poisoning deaths in alberta even at the time when there was a brief lull it's still um um it was you know, increased um yeah. maybe i think a bit less than it had in bc but um again uh that's looking at a very specific point in time and now overdoses are the highest they've ever been um and he's been uh uncharacteristically silent about that though it was uh i i did notice um that in parliament a few months after he cut that video saying Oh, yeah, it's going great in Alberta. They reduced overdoses by almost half. In Parliament, a few months later, he's like, oh, well, they've reduced overdoses by a third. Right, um, right, right, right. Right. So I guess, uh, you know, since he's established the president precedent that there's a direct correlation between recovery beds and overdoses, 
then I guess uh, we can now. Or sorry, rather, not that there's a correlation, that there's a causation, right. there's a causal relationship between the two. Then I guess that means uh, building it, more recovery beds is killing people. It's right. It can go. It can absolutely be used both ways. Yeah, but anyways, let me let me uh, pull this up. So the months he was talking about are right. This so this was in 2022. Okay, cut this video. November, December 2021 was previously the high point. I think it was like 175 overdoses. Okay. November was 174. Okay. By uh, July 2022, in August 2022, it reached a low point. Um, so did he tout the January to August period then? The January to July period? That was his. No, no, no. The December to July period. When it was at its highest, when it was at its lowest since the pandemic began, which what, is still higher. What were the numbers was. in the months in between? Were they like gradually dropping? Like did it like did it create a staircase effect? Like there was actually some level of idea that something was making it drop gradually or was it just like it happened to be a low month in july and he's like boom look at that in six months since the highest month we have the lowest month we win well okay so from december 2021 it decreased in january 2021 yeah. when, 2022 went okay. up in february okay decreased significantly in march decreased a bit more in april Increased a bit in May, decreased significantly in June, and then decreased a bit in July and stayed that for August. Then September increases, October increases, November decreases, but still higher than September, and then December uh, increases and January decreases, and then February, March, April. So what was the December, what was the December 20, like, so it was still like by the December 2022 numbers, what were those overdoses? So I don't, I don't have the, the actual numbers in front of me. I'm just staring at a graph, but let me pull that up. The, 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 the drug, uh, the, um, drug poisoning surveillance, uh, dashboard from the Alberta government is actually really good. It's just the data seems to, uh, always come in pretty late. Um, too late. When you wrote your newsletter, I apologize for not having read it ahead of time here, but when you wrote that, did you talk to anyone or did anyone provide you with any uh, guesstimates slash reasoning as to why, as to what actually did cause those decreases or what was what was the leading factors in a, a six month period where numbers seemed to drop more or less overall? Um, no, but I, I did quote Ewan Thompson, who uh, has a great newsletter. He's a Calgary-based uh, harm reduction advocate. I really do encourage people who are interested in these issues um, to uh, subscribe to his newsletter um, called uh, Drug Data Decoded. And he talked about there are essentially four factors in his view that led to an increase in uh drug poisoning deaths um since they decreased um and those are um the refusal to uh 
bring overdose prevention services into homeless shelters. Yeah. Um, a, uh, just one sec. So like harm reduction? Is that what they're talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not and like uh, another is that. not decriminalizing simple possession, which BC did. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, getting rid of the province's take-home hydromorphone program and making uh, it so yeah. you have to go to a yeah, doctor yeah. to get it, which is like the only real element of safe supply that Alberta has. Right. And uh, th th this one was interesting. Uh, sending police officers to at downtown Edmonton and Calgary to just, you know, make a show of force and arrest people for whatever, because when they confiscate people's drugs... They have to go get shittier ones. Yeah, they, they're they not going to not get drugs. They're just going to be more desperate and buy yep. whatever they can. And those are increasingly tainted. And that there, there, there is evidence to suggest that that's what happens. Uh, there's a study in the American Journal of Public Health, actually from this month, that uh, looked at, uh, it, was, it, it wasn't in Alberta. It was yeah. in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, in, well, between... Sorry, keep going. I was just have just gonna read something from something I brought up today. We were just talking about like, so we had there was one seventy nine in April this year. It was six hundred and thirteen total for the year to date through the first four months, right? So the Dan Williams, the uh, med mental health and addictions minister, yeah, he said uh, while we have made significant strides towards this vision over the past four years. It is clear more needs to be done to support treatment and recovery from addiction. So, like, obviously, there's nothing about harm reduction in there or anything. 93% uh, of the deaths are fentanyl-related. Right, and a lot of them, yet. too. I mean, uh, there's a great piece in CBC News from uh, Joel Dryden where he um, in Calgary where he shadowed a couple outreach workers and they were telling them about trank dope that's on the streets that is cut with like benzos and even like an animal tranquilizer yeah. called uh, xylazine, I believe. Ooh. And the, the, the issue with that is uh, tranquilizers uh, counteract the effects of naloxone. Right. Naloxone rather. Right. Um, and so you were saying earlier, uh, okay, finish that statement. I just want, I figured out what I was going to read to you. No, 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 that was it. So you had said earlier about, um, you know, when they confiscate drugs, you have to go and get, we obviously like you have to, you're not going to not get drugs. You're going to just go get more desperate versions and same works with, uh, uh, you know, seizing large, large amounts at the border or through um, drug busts. Um, eventually that like that business gets replaced, right? Like you, you get one dealer off the street for, you know, few years or months or whatever however you know whatever it is the business gets replaced right and so the drugs and so this is just in in so sort of this is what williams said um at, regarding and they kind of so of the 613 deaths so far this year 69 percent have been in males and the age group of the highest drug overdoses in Alberta is 30 to 35 to 39 okay Williams says the most recent drug fatality data confirms why addressing drug use and illicit trafficking must be top of mind. And my heart goes out to all those who have lost a loved one. And I just think it's funny that like almost everybody can kind of like 
wrap their brain around the idea now that like when drugs are seized by cops, they're replaced with shittier drugs. And so for that still to be the narrative that they're able to, like we're 40 years into the war on drugs in North America, right? Like, and it's always been that mindset, like get the drugs off the street, get the drugs off the street. You can't, you, you can't fucking get the drugs off the street. It's not possible, like literally impossible to stop a black market. We've proved this time and time and time and time and time again. And in modern history, you have prohibition shows you just how successful you know we can be at 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 making things illegal that people want to get to and whether you whether people realize it or not i'm sure we'll have a lot of listeners that have never touched a recreational drug in their life or an illicit substance but there will be others that have and i think we can all agree that the number one thing that drugs have in common is that they work they're 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 do you know what i mean like they work as intended and if feeling good is the thing you need they work for that that's how these addictions stop happen right you don't take meth and then bar for eight hours you take yeah, meth for a, the first time and it's amazing not that i've yeah. tried meth but well i've never done well i've never purposely done meth <laughs> i mean but, maybe i have but i don't i don't think I have. yeah but uh you know some ecstasy pills uh you know who's to say but right um but the, the, the you know i think you make the point that you're not going to eliminate the black market which is true but through safe supply we can limit it right we can nope. Sorry, that's the part that I, I meant you can't eliminate the black market through the means of what we're trying to do by beating it down, by trying to yeah. arrest your way out of it. The black, as long as it's illegal, as long as something people want is illegal, there will be a black market for it. Yeah. And it's like, right, like, look at cannabis. I mean, how right. many people are going and meeting, a, a, you know, a weed dealer in their garage these days? I mean, literally no, are. like the fucking nobody, because what? The, the thing that I didn't think that would actually happen with, with cannabis, I said to myself, I thought they'll have a hard time naively. I'm like, well, they'll have a hard time getting the prices down below what I can get for uh, like black market. Right. Because I'm not paying taxes and, and, and all of these things that go with buying a substance. Right. It's so fucking much cheaper than buying it black market. It's not even, it's mind boggling. Like if you want to buy like discount cannabis, which is all, you can get some really good like discount weeds. We're talking like anywhere between 80 and like a hundred dollars an ounce, an ounce. That's preposterous. So yeah. And I mean, now that it's legal, you know, yes. I, I mean, I, I I haven't been um, smoking much weed these days, um, but, you know, you, if, if you can go in, you can try a specific strain, you can get what you're looking for based on the desired effect. And I mean, yes, it's different because no one's ever died of a cannabis overdose, but it's the same principle that people are going to use cannabis regardless. So right. 
make it so that organized crime isn't in the equation, that you can know exactly what you're getting, what and have a general idea of what its effects will be. And uh, voila, I mean, I remember when uh, cannabis was legalized and all the conservatives were uh, losing their damn minds and uh, comparing it to, uh, you know, giving opioids to kids. Um, and yeah, no, they're all pretty silent about that. And, um, but, um, because nothing we, happened. This is why, like, we need more people, policymakers to just grow a pair, make the fucking, like, do the thing. And then just like when nothing happens, that's when you can be like, see, relax. It, it happens with any policy that is change of any kind. People always freak out. If you just imp if it's a right thing to do and you implement it and you find like what happened? Nothing. It's been five years since cannabis was legalized and fucking nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Less than nothing. Yeah. And obviously there's more sensitivity and caution around drugs that can actually kill you. But these drugs are killing people regardless. Right? Well, this, and this is why you would have in a safe supply like you don't like. I, we all have drugs that can kill us in the fucking cabinet. Like Tylenol yeah. will kill you if you take the whole bottle. Like we un, we trust each other with with lethal doses of drugs all the fucking time. It's all it's you have the ability to off yourself with your prescription drugs any day of the week, right? But you just don't. It's the same thing with safe supply. Like if you had, like if 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 you had like it. One, the drug that you take as re as recommended isn't going to kill you. That's the point. Is and you're not like even when we we talk about well we didn't kill you. Yeah, but there were times when you bought a black market where like sometimes it would just be shitty as and it was just like kind of shake like and you just it didn't really get you very high. And like other times, like you'd be fucking smoked, right? And you would just like have to kind of get what you got, and you didn't know. And no, there was no, it got laced with this or that or the other thing. That wasn't a thing in weed really either. But the same, it, you, you, you're you at the mercy of what you're, of the person you're buying from. The, the dealer is selling you what's in his hand. You can either take that or don't. And if you are underhoused or on the street or suffering from uh, mental health, uh, disorders or issues or anything like this that have, have caused you to be sort of left out of the workforce and unable to keep up. How the fuck are you not going to end up turning to some of these things? It's the only thing that passes time by feeling good about your life. And like, this is like, and these are not people that like, this is like, oh, well, uh, they were lazy and uh, shut, like we all have, everybody gets that that's not a thing. That's not how it works anymore. You can't one day whine about how the very next fucking carbon tax thing is going to bankrupt me. I can't make ends meet and then turn around and be like, fuck these freeloading losers who didn't make it. You're it's one or the other. You're either on the brink yourself and get that other people have gone over the edge or you're not mm -hmm. right yeah and um you know i i think that uh the 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 framing of this that the government is like stubbornly assisting insisting on of it being 
a matter of addictions, even though that's not the case. Not everyone dying of drug poisoning is in that. Some people are trying it for the first time. Some people can can use, um, you know, these these dangerous substances recreationally on weekends or whatever, and they're dying from it. So, but but I think by turning it into an issue of addictions, it adds this moral element to it. And I think that, and I write about this in the book, which uh, by the way is will be in stores in February and uh we'll probably link in the bio to pre-order it maybe but um that really i mean what kenny did was i mean you can't justify the same old war on drugs like just just bust dealers put them in jail anymore right you need to put like a kinder face on it and 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 you can do that through saying no, no no this is an issue of addictions we're helping people and but and 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 so forget about like evidence-based policy um, that would actually save lives. This is a moral issue. This is about people have sinned by using drugs and we are by making treatment more readily available. By the way, there's no data available as of speaking um, or, and I doubt it will be anytime soon of how this approach of just building more uh, you know, just adding beds to recovery facilities and building more um, is actually working, right? Is that we don't know what the waiting lists are, for example, for any of these clinics. Uh, you know, we don't know. How, we, I mean, we do know, thanks to reporting uh, from Duncan Kinney at the Progress Report, that um, at least one person has died in a recovery facility who who relapsed and their tolerance was low. Um, and, but, but again, there are, there are all these questions because it, it becomes, and not when, that when you can... frame it in moral terms, right. it doesn't matter, right? It's these people, drugs are bad and yeah. we need, uh, to allow people to enter recovery. And now of course, coerce them into recovery, force well, them into recovery, which Smith is, uh, it's, you know, not that, say... it's not at all that recovery is a bad thing. It's that it's like, you know, like this is what's so funny about not funny, haha, funny fuck this place about um the you know removal of all supervised consumption sites and and getting away from harm reduction in any way, because as if you know if you've ever fucking had an addiction or met another person with an addiction, you know that there are minor moments of I don't want to do this anymore that have to be fucking capitalized on. And I don't care if your thing is cigarettes, coffee, booze, or fentanyl, cocaine, or meth. There are moments that you need to have a like this. And, and if you don't capitalize on the interest in kicking that habit in that moment, you will the moment will pass and you'll turn back to the drug, no matter what it was. The, don't don't let don't let any every smoker ever will tell you. They want to quit every fucking day. You know what I mean? But if they don't capitalize on these moments by doing the right thing, it's really hard to do that and starting the process. And the process is scary. And so the second your next craving comes, right, you're never going to turn to recovery during a craving. It's not possible. The craving wins with everything, including the need to eat food, right? We The craving wins. And so the supervised consumption sites we're putting people in safe hands to get past the craving 
have that moment of I shouldn't, I don't want to fucking live like this. And now you are in the arms of somebody who's trained to help you get in toward the services that will help you get to recovery properly. Mm-hmm. And that's and- how you get people into recovery. You don't round them up like a 60s scoop and fucking take them there and drop them off and and make them better. Well, and that's a very important point, too, you raise about the 60s scoop. And Ewan Thompson, who who I mentioned earlier, wrote a very uh, good piece uh, as his newsletter about asking a very important question that I hadn't heard anyone else ask. And maybe that's just because I'm not listening to the right people, but that forced treatment, the so-called Compassionate Intervention Act, or whatever Smith is calling it, Danielle, but also her chief of staff, Marshall, who's really the architect of this um, uh, fake compassion. Um, Yes, is this a new form of residential schools? And, uh, you know, because I do think we should talk about the impact on indigenous communities of the drug poisoning crisis, which is vastly disproportionate and has been only getting increasingly disproportionate. There was a study yeah, yeah. There was a 2021 report that was from the Alberta government and First Nations Information Governance Center that uh, showed that the, the, I mean, basically the drug poisoning uh, crisis has always disproportionately impacted Indigenous peoples. Um, but in uh, 2020, the uh, First Nations... Um, her uh, who experienced drug poisoning deaths out of a hundred thousand. So the rate, so you can compare apples to apples was 22%. And indigenous first nations are 6% of Alberta's uh, population. And that's like wildly disproportionate. And um, uh, in uh, 2019, the, rate of uh, drug poisoning deaths for 100,000 people pre-pandemic went down for non-First Nations people, yet it increased still for First Nations people. Mm-hmm. And uh, even and, and then when it increased in 2020 for both, it increased by vastly more um, among uh, Indigenous uh, rather First Nations, which isn't all Indigenous people, right? Doesn't include Métis or Inuit. Um, I, I mean, it's wild. And I, I, I mean, for, for non-First Nations people in 2020, it went from about 11 people per 100,000 to about 20. Which, I mean, that that is a big uh, increase. But for First Nations that's people... That's essentially, yeah, that's, yeah. It went from it went from about seventy to one hundred and forty three, and I I mean I think like it all it's all connected right because they're like the first indigenous people in Alberta are disproportionately affected by poverty, and poverty people who are affected by poverty are going to be disproportionately affected by drug addiction, uh, and and overdoses because of the types of drugs that are available to people who are poor, and that's another aspect of it is that like. People with money, people with with livelihoods and, and, and certainly with gusts up to being the rich folks, they can afford 
uh, their own safe supply, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You they know? can find a doctor who will give them an Oxycontin prescription. Correct. Right. I mean, you, you know, famously, I mean, all these celebrities who, um, or a lot of them who 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 died of drug overdoses. I mean, they had a doctor who is who is prescribing them and just upping the dose as as, as they wanted. Um, but you know, among uh, First Nations people, I think it's also important to note. That uh, there's a great piece uh, from APTN uh, reporter uh, Danny Parody, who's a friend of mine here in Edmonton, uh, from a couple weeks ago that showed that the life expect life expectancy for uh, First Nations people, both men and women, decreased by seven years over a period of six years from 2015 to 2021. And that, I mean, that's not entirely attributable attributable to the drug poisoning crisis, but that is a major factor. And now there's an almost 20 year gap between life expectancy among people like us and First Nations people. And so um, wow. um, the Grand Chief, uh, Leonard Standing Road of the Confederacy of Treaty Number no. Six Nations, uh, declared this a public emergency um, that, and he yeah. called on all levels of government to yeah. play their role and he said specifically we need more harm reduction because if we don't have adequate right. harm reduction people are going to die you can't go into treatment I mean it's such a cliche at this point but apparently it, it, it bears repeating because people in power aren't listening you cannot get into recovery if you're dead and so we can either take this moralistic approach that is like, well, you either enter recovery or tough shit, or we can take a realistic, a pragmatic approach to, to, to this crisis. And, you know, people are always accusing the left of being idealists and, 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 and not dealing with reality. But I, I, I mean, this, this recovery-oriented system of care I mean, that is the height of idealism, right? Right. That, that yeah, people are just going to it just enter very recovery and it'll it be very great. conveniently does what everything else does in our society, which is underserves the poor. And we just happen to have policies that kind of ensure that the biggest proportion of poor people will be the minorities. Yeah. Right. And 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 and, and, uh, and particularly of first peoples. Um, but uh, I just want to say, Grand Chief standing on the road. Um, right. He said, we need harm reduction, yeah. and we need all governments step in. The provincial government's response was like, "What do you mean? We're we're building. Uh, I think we're building it. four recovery communities. Um, to serve uh First Nations in uh Enoch." uh blood tribe um sutina and um oh god i forget what the fourth is just one sec yes it is six okay right and yeah. then they had the audacity to say federal government you know the alberta sovereignty act government saying federal government you need to do more you need to help first nations more and then at the same time, they're saying safe. there's no such thing as safe supply, which is correct. And that's why it's actually called safer supply if you look at it in BC, which again is woefully inadequate. But nonetheless, um, it, it is a step in the right direction. And um, 
um, you know, and it's just such bad faith concern trolling while people are dying. And yeah. the provincial government is like, well, we're doing our part. We're building uh, recovery facilities. They also like to boast that they're also invent investing in harm reduction, which is correct. But they've also whittled away at harm reduction infrastructure. Um, well, they right? whittled I mean, away at the their investments in harm reduction are, I'm guessing, more likely into the like making sure that you know naloxone kits are still yeah. available for free at the pharmacy if you want or whatever but they're certainly the things that we've proven to work like uh supervised consumption sites and stuff like that which by the way i mean they did and do work so um and speaking yeah of i was I, I got into an argument with some shithead from true north um who well, i found out later sense. is actually uh lindsey shepherd if you remember her um, the the TA who showed her first year students a video of Jordan Peterson talking about like trans people are a Marxist conspiracy. Um, and um, yeah, no, real um, what hero of our times. Um, but <laughs> um, well, interesting too, with uh, the compassionate approach, these people argue for Jordan Peterson's drug problems versus everyone else's. But um that's neither here nor there um but he was saying this cosmin fellow um was you know doing the typical oh these woke drug policies don't work people are dying and uh it's like okay uh how many people have died at a supervised consumption site of no overdose like ever and he was like oh yeah, yeah you probably think people should uh get uh free drugs like how yeah more drugs for everyone drugs? else how many people it. got free drugs at a supervised consumption site yeah well i, I mean there's an argument <laughs> to be made that maybe they should but um but they weren't and they weren't dying still they were taking their shitty street drugs that are killing them all over the place into these places and not one person died nobody yeah but, but nobody died. I, there's also nobody like died. Um, well, you said supervised consumption sites save lives, don't save lives. I uh, easily rebutted that. And now you're saying, oh, people just shouldn't do drugs. So you're not actually making a practical argument like you claim to be. You're making a moral argument. And so just say that. Say that you think people who use drugs are sinners and that yeah. they need to be punished That's fucking, for their sins. Right. Yeah, you're, you're not worthy of our help. It's like but then, then, then stretch that to everything else. Like, stop rescuing hikers on the side of a mountain, too, and stop. Like anyone that does anything that's not exactly like meant to, like, not like you know what I mean. Anything that's anything outside of the norm, like let them die, let them go. Yeah. Like they're fuck, fuck them. But we were talking yeah, like about, if you're not allowed to make poor decisions, right, and benefit from the same um, lessons everyone else gets to benefit from. Yeah, then we're not even living in a society. Right. And like we were talking, you know, uh, we haven't, it's all this talk about overdoses and whatnot. We haven't, and we're in the forgotten corner where I am. We haven't mentioned Kim Porter, a uh, friend of the show. And just recently it was the uh, anniversary of her son's accidental overdose. Um, and if you'd like to listen to the episode that we had with Kim, it was well over a year ago but check it out in our sh our show as you'll yeah, find well it. and and of course Corey ranger who unfortunately i didn't get a chance to see when i was on uh vancouver island right um, I, had, I didn't see him either while i was out there but i was gonna say like just like they imagine what it's like for these for the advocates too who like kim for example and i can't remember how many years exactly it's been since her son's death but, but 
10 or so, right? Uh, how all of her time has been, or a, a significant portion of her time since then has been dedicated towards saving lives, helping people, trying to get, you know, advocate for these people who are being left behind. And what has she gotten for it? It's the worst it's ever been. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine just how disheartening that is for the people who have lost loved ones and say, it's important that we fight so that the next person doesn't have to go through what we went through, knowing that, like, it, it's like you get, I don't want to say personally that I feel this way, but you would feel that it's for naught, right? You would feel that, like, what's the fucking point in doing any of this? And my heart, breaks for those kinds of people who like in medicine hat here for example like all of her efforts so she lives in medicine hat just this year in the first six like all in all of 2022 there were 103 ems calls for like uh opioid related emergencies okay 103 for the entire year in the first six months of 2023 in Medicine Hat, there, there were 108. So well over, like more than double, the, on, on pace for more than double. And so it's just like another thing, it's, it's not just Edmonton or Calgary. In Calgary, it's very, very bad there where, you know, shot, like, so, and Calgary, you know, the place that like takes the shit on woke Edmonton, right? Well, it's, it's worse in Calgary than any other city place, like, but yeah, I mean, they've one supervised consumption site for the whole city, right. and no one knows on a day-to-day basis if it's still open or not, because right. the government said, yeah, we're shutting it down, right. we're building two overdose prevention sites elsewhere, no one knows where they're going to be, and uh, yeah, and then and then the government's like, oh, well, we uh, believe in harm reduction, we just don't think it should be the only thing, but there's literally no one I know who advocates harm reduction well, no, that. and we had all the NIMBY fucks in town here. We had a supervised consumption site ready to go. And it, no matter where they would talk about putting it, that it would get take a people would just take a shit on the location and everyone all the same thing. Oh, well, I think the service is good, but just not right here. And, yeah, yeah. They, no, they wanted it like near the airport. They wanted it where no one could see it. Our no fucking mayor, it. our mayor at the time, and you'll love this. It's today is the three year anniversary of him giving me the finger while I ate dinner with my wife. But anyway, former mayor, he fucking told the media, like he said in the media to the public, if you want to do something about this supervised consumption site, vote for a party. This was before the 2019 election. Vote for a party that will do something about it kind of thing. But this is the level of which that guy who has used himself and is a drunk is willing to tell people to let people who uh, are addicted to opioids uh, die. Let them fucking die. It's fucking unbelievable. Now we got to wrap up, but it's uh, anyway. So that got me hot for a second. But this is the kinds of stuff that we're dealing with, and, and this is the kinds of stuff that the Kim Porters of Alberta are up against when they're trying to help people just. At the very, this the most basic thing, just trying to help them not fucking die. That's it. Like that's the, and they're not even allowed to do that. 
it's tragic. It's not the only tragedy that we have in this province. And I know there's a lot to focus on and it's really hard. And we're all facing our own personal struggles because it really is hard to make ends meet uh, in 2023. And it really is hard to stay afloat. And it really is hard to stay fucking sane. But there are a lot of people uh, dying in Alberta. And I know our listeners, a lot of our listeners were the people were people who were standing up during COVID to say, we got to do something, let's stop letting people die. There's another uh, pandemic going on that we're, doesn't get enough attention and and that's obviously um addiction and 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 not just addiction but unsafe drugs that are killing even those who take it for the first fucking time Mm -hmm. it's not you're not safe yeah and i i think i just want to end on the note that um there are a lot of people including the two we mentioned uh cory ranger and uh Tim Porter, who know a lot more about these issues than I do, so or you do, and um, that neither of us do. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would encourage in, uh listening uh, to uh, those episodes and, uh, you know, following their work. Ewan Thompson as well, uh, fantastic newsletter on Substack. And we should get him on the show. Um, we should. And, and I think we we'll have, have a lot more because this is this is on as this, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, uh Danny would definitely do it. And there, you know, there's uh others, uh, you know, medicine hat Carrie Canvas, who is a wonderful person and an artist and like um uh you know harm reduction advocate, uh Dr. Lane Hishka um at the University of Alberta, Rebecca Haynes Saw at the University of Calgary, a lot of great uh people who know what they're talking about um about this topic. Right. And they're just not being listened to. And, uh, I, you know, it's frustrating enough for us. I can only imagine that uh, what it's like for them to uh, constantly be right, be proven right in like the most morbid way. So anyways, uh, definitely, uh, you know, check out those people's work. And climb and- up Dan Williams' arse and stay on this government. I know it seems like it doesn't work, but we've proven as a like in the last five years that you can get movement even from these insane governments um uh over the most extreme things with enough backlash they will budge so just stay on them um it's really important uh speaking of frustrations though sorry mo i just realized with like a minute left that i recorded this entire fucking episode with my mic unplugged so i was using my computer mic (laughs) So if it sounded like shit for the last 45 minutes, folks, whoops, sorry about that. I'm really loud, so hopefully you heard all that. Um, did it sound good to you? It sounded fine to me, but ah, I'm not the one who has to listen to a recording of it. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyways, uh, anything else to add before I thank our uh, esteemed Nope. That about does it. Uh, We'll hopefully be back next week with a very special uh, international guest. Week after next. Right. That's right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we'll be back soon. Don't don't you worry. Yeah. Don't 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 stop giving us money. I'm going to Seattle. That's right. I'm going to Seattle. When we get back, um, we're hoping to do one that I would be. I'm. I don't even want to say it because I'm too excited at the possibility. Anyway, 
Um, all right, it's the time of the show where we thank those of our patrons who go way above and beyond anything we could ever hope for. To Chris Sturwold, to Dave Bonmiller, to Nicolo Dinicola, to Darius Bergard, and to Farah Chaudhry. Thank you guys so much for everything you do for us. To the patrons and listeners who stick through with us through all of this up and down doing uh been an up and down year as far as recording and we're trying to get back into it more regularly at the very least offer some at, at least some of these just us's if we don't have guests so that we aren't uh leaving dead air and uh thank you guys for everything we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks jeremy enjoy your two weeks and i'll talk to you when i get home yep take care everyone stay safe